Welcome to Total Retail Talks, your podcast channel for retail knowledge. Hello, I'm Joe Keenan, the Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail, and I'm happy to be joined on today's episode of Total Retail Talks here at CRMC in Chicago by Emily Teal, who is the uh, Senior Director of Member Marketing for Nike Europe. Emily actually uh, gave a presentation here at the show yesterday. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that as well as uh, her, her career in the loyalty space. So thanks for joining me today, Emily. Thank you for having me, Joe. So I mentioned your title, but uh, obviously there's a, a lot that can go into that. So I'd like to get started by having you tell us a little bit about your role at Nike. Sure. So I've been at Nike for five years now. And for the first three years, I was at our global headquarters in Portland, Oregon. For the last two years, I've had the privilege of leading our member marketing team in EMEA. And what that means is I look after a team who's responsible for creating consumer or member-facing communications, as well as how we market our Nike membership program, as well as our other lifecycle marketing comms. It's uh, what makes it really interesting for me is that coming from the U.S., I have about 11 nationalities under me on this team, and we serve 37 countries across seven key cities. Yeah, that's actually a good lead-in because we're going to follow up kind of the complexity of that and what attracted you to the opportunity. You mentioned you were at the, the global headquarters in here in the U.S., moving abroad and taking this new role. Tell us a little bit about kind of your thought process as you went into that position. Yeah, you know, it was a natural evolution for me. Actually, when Nike first recruited me, I was really clear that my long-term goal was to be moved abroad with Nike. I've actually had the opportunity to work abroad before. I lived in Hong Kong when I first started my career in supply chain. And I come from a family who really values international experience. I grew up a bit abroad myself as a kid. My dad worked at Sony in, in Tokyo when I was growing up. And I just, overall, it was always something that I wanted to do. So you've been in the loyalty space for the majority of your career, Emily. So tell us a little bit about how you've seen this industry evolve from when you started in the business into where we are today. You know, I fell into loyalty and I'm so glad I did. I was actually at Sephora at the time. My first job at Sephora, I was working in affiliate marketing. I had one of the lowest jobs on the totem pole. I was working in paid search. I was writing keywords for things like Justin Bieber perfume, perfume Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber scent, scent Justin Bieber. And I have to say, I don't think I loved SEO. But one day there was just an opportunity for me to join Sephora's Beauty Insider team. And it was the move, I think, that kind of changed my career because what I've always loved about loyalty is it's not channel specific. So you're not working in email marketing. You're not working in you know, paid search. You have this opportunity to really think more holistically about how you serve the consumer. And Sephora is really the place that you want to start your loyalty career. So I, I got incredibly lucky that I just got moved to Beauty Insider. I stayed there for about three and a half years and just absolutely loved the play that loyalty has in beauty. Everything from samples to events to, I think they just have more opportunity to meet the consumer given the frequency of how you buy beauty. So that was actually the first time I think I came to CRMC. After Sephora, I went to Williams-Sonoma Inc. And even though in many ways, I think about Williams-Sonoma is less known abroad, I had probably the most growth in my career in those years. I was building our first cross-brand tender neutral loyalty program called The Key. And I remember coming to this conference with some consultants looking for a solutions provider. And I felt like this big shot, like I was here with a clipboard looking for someone to do a points engine. <laughs> and um, many of the vendors actually who you, I, I've seen this week, I, I worked with at that time period. Yeah. And so it's been just this really interesting evolution of going from a very mature program at Sephora to building something from the ground up at Williams-Sonoma 
I went to Uber after that to work in more of what, it's funny to use the word traditional with Uber, but Uber does CRM, like a digital native company does CRM. You're just pulling levers and you're just sending personalized communications out, like you're trading stocks. And then I landed at Nike. So I think what's interesting is I've seen the evolution of the space by being at four very different yeah. companies at four very different periods of my career maturity. Yeah, I was going to say four very different brands, but you've learning experiences that you've taken from each one of them. Um, you spoke yesterday here at CRMC about the importance of building and training the right team and support of your organization's customer retention and loyalty efforts. So when you think about building a team, talk a little bit about what you look for when you're making hiring decisions. This is such a good question. Um, I think leadership is incredibly important. It's the it's the trait that I value most at the end of the year in my performance reviews of how I'm evaluated. I think building a team is a real responsibility. You have to think about everyone coming in almost as an ingredient and how is it going to work together as a whole. I look for people who are a couple of things. I want someone who's very teachable and so are they willing to learn? And I want somebody who's humble enough to come into a team and not and be able to bring a, a great deal of experience, but also be there to learn from the group and to listen. And as I spoke about yesterday, I think it's increasingly our responsibility to look at the makeup of the team and ensure that we are reflecting the diversity of the consumers that we serve. So the makeup of the team, and you mentioned this earlier, how diverse your team is. You're leading, I, I forget the exact numbers that you quoted in terms of how many different nationalities and, and and, and regions, uh, countries uh, that you're serving with your, uh, with your team. So talk about, as the leader of that group, how you kind of build that right culture with so many different, you know, individual yeah. personalities and cultures in the mix. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a challenge. I, I feel like my first year working in Nike EMEA was like hazing in many ways <laughs> because you're trying to get to know, uh, you yourself are an expat in another country, you're trying to get to know a different office environment. You're trying to build trust with a group who, for the most part, has already been there. And on top of that, you have no idea the cultural nuance that everybody's coming into with their different lenses and backgrounds. Um, Nike's really good about training expats to go abroad. We had a lot of, uh, we actually had coaching. We had books recommended to us. I highly recommend the book, The Culture Map, which is designed for expats moving in all different directions around the world to understand where different countries rank in terms of what they value. So what we value in the U.S. Is, is inherently different than what somebody values in the U.K., even though you would think that we were pretty closely related when it comes to different cultural backgrounds. So it, for me, I had to really, really make sure I was not projecting my own viewpoints or let's say, as an example, I really value recognition. Not everybody values recognition, not just on a personal level, but on a cultural level. There's a huge spectrum of how people want to be spoken to in a room or how they want to be praised externally. So I think it comes down to just like we do in loyalty marketing, listening, understanding that you need to tailor your approach to different people at different times. And then being will, like being open to not getting it right. So I definitely did not get it right my first year a lot. I tend to come in with a lot of gifts and a lot of bubbliness, and that doesn't always land, particularly <laughs> when I think about some of my French colleagues. But, you know, we're talking about cultural diversity right now, and, and one of the things we want to talk to yesterday at Kind Work is just how we get to more representation, and those are two different things. So I think that, that but it's still a, the same question, which is how do you make sure as a leader that you're building a team where everyone can come and be themselves? And that's probably the most important thing. Are you building a culture, culture where people can feel like themselves at work? Yeah. 
And if you're making space for that, then hopefully you're making space to learn what different audiences want at different times. Yeah. And everyone can bring their unique talents to the, exactly. you know, the, the strength of the team becomes, you know, the uniqueness of, of the whole. So we're here at CRMC. Um, I'm interested as you think about loyalty trends, um, what are you kind of most bullish on for the remainder of the year? That can be both what you're seeing within your own individual organization at Nike as well as kind of across the, the retail space as a whole. You know, what's interesting is I, I always reflect on do I think loyalty trends deeply change or do I think consumers expect the same things in different ways? So when you think about over time, people want convenience. They want to be delighted. And I don't think those have changed from when you would go to a storefront and to now when you want your package to come the next day. What I often think about is speed and availability is what changed. We want it faster and we want more access. And within the loyalty space, at least for me, I've done a lot of reflecting on how much do I think programmatic loyalty, so a heavy reliance on points and structured programs, is going to continue to have the same place it always has. And I do think it has a place, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think the modern consumer isn't just about that anymore. And so we have to think about new ways of meeting them in their need state. So is it that you want discovery? Is it that you know exactly what you need and you want it to come the next day because we've already predicted that you've run out of it before you've even known? And so you have to just spend a lot of time looking at what you can offer as a brand and understanding where you want to win. And so that's less to me reflective of what are the trends overall as understanding where the consumer needs are at a given point in time. Obviously, it was very different in COVID than it is today when people do want to get out and be in stores again. But whether that actually changes their online shopping behaviors, I'm not sure. And we're so focused on the American consumers and their behaviors. Do you, have you seen a big shift in, or is it, to your point, it's pretty global in terms of what consumers want when it comes to loyalty? Yeah, that's a great question. I think people want to be recognized everywhere. And I, th I think the idea that you're getting value and whatever value means to you, I think is fairly global. What I do see is different in Europe, and, and actually I appreciate this, is less consumption as a whole. So needing less things, whether that's because we have much smaller spaces that we're living in or whether I think that the EU is further advanced in thinking about sustainability. There's a lot of factors that go into play where I see more conservative spending spending more on higher quality items and having fewer of them in your closet. And I think a lot of brands are thinking about that too. Can we get to the same margin by selling fewer things at a higher price point and having less waste at the end of the year? So I think it definitely is different market by market. Nike's a global brand, so we see different trends around the world. What I've personally felt in Europe is, you know, I don't have a car anymore. So I've been two years without a car. I live up four flights of stairs in a beautiful apartment in Amsterdam. I think about what I'm bringing home in a shopping bag. And I think that the online um, shopping is, it's, de it's definitely there. I see more people being willing to go to a store to try something on to decide if they really want it than here where I feel like we're still very comfortable ordering a box of 10 items and knowing we're returning 70%. So I, I go back to maybe more um, considered shopping yeah. trends in the EU. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great example. Uh, well, I want to take the opportunity to thank Emily Teal, who is the Senior Director of Member Marketing for Nike Europe, for uh, joining us on this episode of Total Retail Talks. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. 
Total Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Talks.